so last night uh, encouraging encouraging everyone to take a strong stand against harming and today encouraging people to begin to contemplate the body recognize feel attend to the body another attitude or value or way of being to encourage is is compassion, a kindness, a gentleness, a warmth. And so even more than refraining from harm, there's a way of of responding with with kindness, with a sense of gentleness, with a sense of being in, in relationship with, with a warmth, compassion. And so uh, during the day today and tomorrow and through the rest of the retreat, you know, begin to see, well, how can we bring forth this kindness and compassion? Not as a kind of a smear, a kind of plastic goo that we put on top of experience, but as a, as a, as a genuine experience, you know, where is where is their kindness towards ourselves and towards what we're experiencing and how we're relating to it? Where is their compassion for the for the challenge and the struggle of what it is to be human and to have a body and a heart and a mind that's sensitive and feels? So in the next day when things are settling in, we need to kind of work with these values of harmlessness and compassion. Using the, the body as an object. Object not in the sense where we are separated from it, but as that which we're allowing attention to focus on and rest. The posture the sensation, the space it occupies, going through and doing the scanning meditation, systematically going through the body, learning to relax, learning to feel, allowing things to become alive with attention and interest. Knowing our, our movements, our postures. And in the course of sitting, there's a few different ways of bringing attention into the body. Ways of allowing attention to rest with a particular object. So one one thing is to direct the attention to a particular object, applying one's attention, and sustaining one's attention there. These are like the muscles of the mind that we can cultivate. Applying attention and sustaining attention. 
And in the first few days, it's common that it's a challenge to do that. Thoughts and feelings and ideas and blurriness and disconnect and all kinds of things seem to come up and kidnap attention. And so there needs to be a a kind and compassionate response, a commitment to non-harming as we gently learn to apply attention, sustain attention, and move against the habits of distraction, dispersion, following desire, resisting, contracting, which is often the habits we're very familiar with. It doesn't matter how many times our attention is distracted. What is important is is that we remember and reconnect. So if we're moving attention through the body or just feeling the space our body occupies, attending to the movement of the breath, And our attention wanders to a sound or to a thought or to what we forgot or what we've left undone or the conversation that we need to have or the thing that we're worried about. The moment that we we are aware that that is what we're doing, then all that is needed is to reconnect with the object of the body sitting here, going through the various parts of the body or whatever, however one is attending. There's no need for judgment or criticism. There's no need for comment. Just reconnecting with what's happening in the present. So if the attention is finding it difficult just to stay present with the overall sense of the body, there's not enough um, movement or there's not enough, it's not a big enough object in a strange kind of way. We sit here and the, the sense of the body is individual sensations coming and going. And sometimes what can be helpful is just to just to make contact with the hand, so just press the fingers on one hand and press the fingers on the other hand and tighten the foot on one foot and tighten the foot on the other foot so that one can just get a sense of allowing attention to stay with the body and and and, and allowing the object to be appropriate for for where you're at, for where each of us is at with our our capacity to stay present. So if the subtlety of sensation is too fine, then then make it work for you. Make it more defined, more tangible. So you can you can deliberately pr- 
press your fingers together or clench a fist gently and just feel the sensation of that and then feel it relax. And then move to the other hand and move to the foot so that the attention is staying with the body. But how we do that is very much dependent on what is useful, where we're at, what our capacity is. And if you're feeling so sleepy and dull that it's hard to, to do this, then open your eyes. Take some deep breaths. Sometimes you can raise your hands above your head for a minute or so and just just let the energy of doing that and the oxygen that comes from doing that renew the system. So we can we can make choices and the choices affect what we're experiencing. When you're sleepy, it's helpful just to look up. Somehow the position of the eyes looking up is energizing. Look towards something which is light or bright. Check also that your posture is upright. You haven't caved in or collapsed. So... uh, Soon as uh, meal time, meal offering, and most everybody here is used to our ways in a monastery. But there are a few people here who are not familiar with with the the routine in a monastery. And so, for for your benefit, I thought I'd just would just say a word or two. Um, when we come and live in the monastery as monks and nuns and novices, then everything that we have is offered. The food that we have, the robes that we have, the shelter that we have, the medicine that we have, it's all it's all offered. And as as monks and nuns we don't we don't cook for food and we don't store food. And so the the meal time is is a is a is a special time not only because it's the most exciting thing that happens all day <laughs> But because it's a time when we can get enough food where we can live for the, for another day. And so it actually is, it's an important thing what happens at the mealtime. So the uh, tradition is, this is that food is offered and a blessing is offered. And it's not that we have some special mojo, we're blessing you or we're blessing the food. It's not like that. But the, the chant that we do is recollecting the goodness that comes from the act of generosity. So when we chant, the chant that we do at the mealtime, just let your attention rest in your own goodness. Let your attention rest in your generosity. Let your attention rest in your contribution to making this happen. The efforts that you make in supporting the retreat, the efforts that you make to be here, to work with what's arising. This is your offering. This is what's making this all possible. So whether you are actually part of chopping the vegetables or cleaning the pots and pans, it's really irrelevant. What's important is is that each one of us connect with our generosity that makes this whole thing work, makes it possible. Okay? So we have um, an unstructured time, and then from 2 to 2.45 is the first walking period. 
I find it's helpful to have walking period following the the meal time because most of us um, don't manage to eat the right amount, and uh, it just helps the digestion process a little bit so that the the doldrums in the afternoon are maybe a little bit less. And I'm I'm very tired myself today, but if my energy picks up, maybe I can do qigong with people and they want at the at the two o'clock session. But I I can't offer that today. I'm too too sore and too tired. <laughs> maybe in a few days, maybe tomorrow. So um, we start with walking and then have sitting and walking in the afternoon. And and I think what I'd like to do is just to keep the first the first sitting period in the morning and the first sitting period in the afternoon is the kind of time when I focus on giving instructions, though I might give bits of instructions throughout the day. And I say that because as the as the days unfold and people feel more um, settled and more comfortable in the practice, they'll be um, you'll be encouraged to to trust yourself in terms of whether you need to be sitting or walking. Do what you need to do. This is your retreat. Okay. The only thing that's really helpful is is, is that if people are following their own rhythms more and either sitting longer or walking longer that the sitting times are quiet, that people come at the beginning, and that when people leave, they don't come back in before the sitting is finished, so that there's a stillness in here that's protected and supported, respected. And then, um, if I can figure out when we're doing the walking and sittings, I'll put them on the door. I made a mistake this morning. I rang the bell 15 minutes before I was supposed to. That's why there was some confusion. And so there'll be some rhythm and that, that um, you can join in as it is appropriate. So structure is very useful. It can be very helpful. It can also be um, not helpful and not useful. And different people have a range of how that is for them and it can change. So some people find very clear boundaries and very clear structure, incredibly conducive for just staying with it and getting through the the fuzziness and the murkiness and and just relaxing. And for other people, it's just not what they need. What they need is is something more open and spacious and to do longer walking and less sitting and to trust that. So... Slowly, slowly, you find our own confidence, find our own rhythms, and begin to feel what actually is working. It's also conducive for the settledness and the and the awakening of the whole group. And we can we can do that. It doesn't have to be. It's not a march to nibbana.